know that they're communal. They have clans and so forth. But nature's code dictates that the males especially have to be removed from the clan. They have to go find their own mate. They have to establish their own territory. They have to fight for territories. They have to defend their territories. Hey everybody, welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate all of you out there and thank you so much for your wonderful support. Remember, if you've got an experience and you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me. You can reach me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. This is Bob Gemling. You're listening to the Paranormal Porter. Got a fantastic show lined up for you guys tonight. This is one I've been waiting to get back to. Uh, our guest tonight is Mr. Tom Seawood of Sasquatch Island, and he is joining us. And tonight we're going to talk about some rogue squatches and some other fun stuff. So I hope you're all ready. So buckle up. This is going to be a hell of a ride. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks for having me on again. Um, and uh, greetings in my language, Kailakaslav, from northeastern Vancouver Island. I'm in uh, Marina in Campbell River, British Columbia, Vancouver Island. Man, fantastic. How's, uh, how's everything going over there? Oh, we've been busy. I was helping a friend with their campaign to become equivalent to a congressman, senator, but uh, she didn't win, but we had a pretty busy ride for the last three weeks oh that's cool yeah i know a lot of people are getting pretty active in the political scenes nowadays but uh that's wonderful that's a hell of a journey but uh you sir uh had an amazing first appearance on the paranormal portal let me just tell you uh i got so much amazing feedback from the listeners like man you got to get this guy back on (laughs) and so here you are and and, uh, yeah, I mean, you definitely made a huge impression. So I know our listeners are just pumped to have you back as well. But so last time you were on, you introduced us to a bit of your culture and uh, a lot of the stories and such you'd heard growing up and such, but you said, you know, I want to come back and I want to talk about the rogues. So brother, the floor is all yours. No, the rogue. And I was a rogue for quite a few years, twice. <laughs> I got so tired of the concrete world. You know, being a North American Indian, you know, sometimes you get pounded just too much and you just look at the bush and the waters and you go, why am I in concrete? Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. Sure. And that's what I did. I got dropped off in my traditional territories off northeastern Vancouver Island and what we call the Mamuyaha territory is my tribe of the Kwakwakiwak Nation. And we're located uh, off the northeast part of Vancouver Island in the mouth of Knight's Inlet area called the Broughton Archipelago. Hmm. Beautiful place, lots of fish, crabs, prawns, you name it. You can, you know, you don't need food out there. It's all out there. And I went out there with my guns and my fishing gear and my rain pants and boots and jacket and small boat and You know, I just got to a point where I just walked into the bush one day and I just kept walking and it was months and I'm talking many months later when I came back out and during that time I was gone, I ran out of coffee and cigarettes and 
I just lived off the land and the water. And I just went what we call gunk hole and looking around and then nature took care of me and, uh, also made me get, I guess, skitterish or humans. I remember one day smelling coffee and hearing some girl's voice chirping away and I could smell cigarette smoke. I, you know, walked towards it. I pulled a branch down. It's enough to see them. And it was a forest crew just sitting there having a lunch break. And I could see the thermoses, the coffee, smell the soup, see the sandwiches, see the cigarette smoke. And I'm just like, nope, I don't want to be around humans. And I just backed off and let the branch come back up. And I disappeared quietly and didn't look back. And, you know, now years later, when I become a Sasquatch investigator, I look at that moment in my life. And I go, I know how they feel. They don't want to be around humans. They hate them. They despise them. They loathe them. They fear them. And I put myself, you know, like they say with us Indians, you walk a day in a person's moccasins before you talk down on them or question them. Well, I walked months in in like a Sasquatch in the bush on the beaches at night, harvesting clams and cockles and mussels at low tide. And my mind... I guess you could say process the whole time was just to live, survive. And when you hear the boats and, uh, you know, you could hear people paddling in a kayak or something, you just walk deeper into the bush and disappear. So I know where the rogue Sasquatches come from. You know, I know what it's like having, you know, in Canada, what we call revenue Canada, which is your IRS in the U S when you get a $172,000 bill from them, and you go to the people in suits with degrees and certification, and they tell you well, there's not a hope in hell you're going to pay that down, Tom. You got to declare bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Back then, in those years, I didn't want to. Pride. I didn't want to declare bankruptcy, and I went into the bush. Then I got to a point where I hated, despised, loathed, feared humans. And, you know, it took another human who was a good friend of mine to call me back out of the bush in the alpine above tree line after he landed his helicopter and enticed me with a pack of players, light cigarettes and a thermos <laughs> of coffee, mm. I could, you know, position myself so I was downwind and I can smell it. And he's like, Tom, I got cigarettes. And I'm thinking, he doesn't smoke. <laughs> no, he's a good <laughs> friend of mine. And I just crept closer and closer and I'm behind boulders looking at him and he's like, you know, come on now, you ain't a goddamn Sasquatch. Get your ass over and have some coffee and a cigarette. And I went over there and I remember grabbing that plastic top from the thermos and drinking that hot black coffee and thinking how good it tasted. And then all of a sudden I said, give me a smoke. Mm-hmm. And probably the worst thing I ever did because I started smoking again afterwards. But mm-hmm. I remember drawing on that finger, getting a head buzz like you wouldn't believe. I sit down and I'm looking at him and he's said, my friend, you've gone feral. Mm-hmm. You're, you're wild. He goes, come on with me. And I, he enticed me. I jumped in the helicopter, drinking coffee, and he wouldn't let me smoke. But we flew back to Vancouver Island, and I remember coming towards the airport. And I said, I can't land there. I can't, I can't go to concrete and asphalt, 90-degree corners. I said, drop me off in a logging road somewhere. And he dropped me off in a logging splash probably three, four miles from the airport. And it took me at least two, three days to walk my way into the concrete again. And, mm. you know, so when I hear about rogue Sasquatches, or Sasquatches, period. I always look at the months, years that I spent out in the bush. And, you know, as an investigator, I don't think anyone else can say the same. 
And sure. that's what I'm bringing to the whole investigator world, the community of Sasquatch enthusiasts, investigators, television hosts. I'm bringing a rogue human that went feral for a time. Yeah. And, you know, I know how those Sasquatches feel, how they live. And I'm sharing it with everyone so that hopefully they can increase their chance of coming across and getting close to one to get us that crispy, clear video or picture, or hopefully a Diane Fossey, Jane Goodall interaction with Sasquatch. But I think that's pretty much slim to none. Sure. So that's where I come from. I went rogue. Man. That's a hell of an experience, and, and I, I really appreciate that you're able to do that because I think most of us in the modern world wouldn't have the, the wherewithal to, to be able to do that and to not only survive but to thrive. So that's a hell of an accomplishment. Well, the other one they don't have is the cojones. You know, <laughs> there's not the fear but fear itself. And you get out there and you're getting low on ammo and you broke a knife, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty critical. You know, it's, you know, and you got to improvise and adapt, you know, the Marine model. Otherwise you're going to be a steaming coiler of poop in that forest because everything <laughs> out there gets eaten eventually and ends up being poop. <laughs> so you got to stay crispy. You, you know, you got to be light on your feet. You got to think. And that's what I'm getting at is once you're out there and you pass, you know, whether it be two weeks or a month, once you get past that and shake the concrete dust from your existence, mm-hmm. you get into that close to environment you are with the environment because the environment will end up making you a steam and coiler a poop unless you're crispy that's what's so beautiful about going rogue is it's just your whole mind thought and your whole daily process how you go to sleep at night and how, what you think about when you're going to sleep it's a beautiful feeling and you know there's times where i look out like i'm doing right now from the windows of this yacht i'm on with my wife peggy I look out and I see tree line and hills and mm. water, salt water. And I just like, wow, I'd like to get out there again. Like I was today for a few hours, but mm-hmm. you know, if it wasn't for Peggy, I'd still be out there. Sure. Now, when you, when you talk about rogues, um, are, are those essentially, as I understand it, a rogue Sasquatch is probably one that's been removed or, or has taken off from a family group and is kind of, going solo uh, outside of the normal family group or, or what does that mean? What it is, is you have to look at all animals, wolves, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bears, even seals and sea lions. They get to a point where mama says, okay, that's enough. No more teeth, mm-hmm. no more with me, no more me giving you food. You're on your own. And pretty soon like grizzly bears, they'll beat their cubs to the point of almost ripping them apart to get them away from mama. And that's when they have to go on their own. And with Sasquatches, you know, I, we know that they're communal. They have clans and so forth. But nature's code dictates that the males especially have to be removed from the clan. They have to go find their own mate. They have to establish their own territory. Mm. They have to fight for territories. They have to defend their territories. But, you know, Nature's code says that they have to get a family eventually, a clan, a pack. Okay. But then when you have that pack, that family, and you reflect, as I do, back to March 14th, 2008, when the mother of my children, my mate at the time, my partner, pointed to the door and told this Indian to get the thief out and don't come back. Mm. And we leave. And I went back into the bush. 
mm-hmm. when you leave and you realize that you've lost everything. You don't have that family unit no more. You don't have the chirping, twittering, laughing, giggling voices of your children climbing in your lap. And at my stage at that point, because she's a social worker and she's not native, I knew I'd never have my children back until they're adults. So you go rogue. And so for Sasquatches, Sasquatches, they have their clan. We know that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, nature's code kicks in that a stronger male must come in and topple the clan leader, the male. Because that's the genetic strengthening of the species. That's mm-hmm. God's law, what we call Ikagekame, the creator, and my Kwakwakiwak tribe. But everyone has their God. And the code says that eventually, in nature's code, the leader must be toppled. Well, we know what happens to some men when they get removed from the family clan unit. You know, they they go that crazy. Yeah. And a lot of people they get very, very angry. I know I was there at one point. They go rogue. And you hear the stories. They're in the bar every night. They're the meanest person in the workplace. You can't socialize with that guy. He has no social skills. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy, he, you know, he's, he's a hermit. He got back from the war and he disappeared into the hills. And some say you can still see him from time to time and he might ask for something or you offer him a gift, he'll take it. But next thing you know, you turn around and he's gone. Mm. And that's what Pasquatches do. They go rogue. But we know the odd case of humans that go rogue after some traumatic event, like losing their family and their kids. Sure. You know, end up in the news. They're, he- they're major national headlines, sometimes international headlines, mm-hmm. you know, and they go crazy. And I know that's what's happening with some of the Sasquatches. And those are the ones that go rogue to a point where they get nature's code kicks in. You're now no longer have other hunters and harvesters and a family clan unit. So like a pig or a dog that goes wild, they go feral. They get bigger, they get hairier. Pigs will get tusks. They'll go from nice pink and blonde hair to black with tusks and mean and ornery and They'll rip your guts out with their tusks and their teeth. Well, that's comparable to a Sasquatch. I think some of them click. And because I think they're the humans of the night, they just evolve to be bigger, hairier, because they don't have clothes, because they have strict laws, very strict laws, as uh, Lucas White from the Omaha Indian tribe has taught me. You know, they have laws, Tom, very strict laws. So they don't have clothing. They don't have fire. They don't have tools. So nature kicks in and makes them bigger, hairier, nocturnal vision. And you can imagine when a big Sasquatch, you know, seven foot two, seven foot four, all of a sudden gets displaced and he snaps and he goes into that, I guess you could say a psychotic type of state. Mm -hmm. Well, he's going to get bigger. He's hunting on his own. He's going to get stronger and more robust, but he's also going to get meaner. Mm. and he has so much hate in his heart that I think those are the ones that take out the humans. Mm. And like my Kwakwakiwak and other Native Indian tribes speak of, the cannibals from the bush, uh, you know, our stories are Chonakwa. She'll take misbehaving children and deep into the forest to her invisible home and boil them up and eat them. Well, you hear others talk in my tribe and say, well, that's the other tribe. Well, you hear the cannibal giant or Jonah in some 
stuff that you read and elders I've spoken to. Well, if they're cannibals, are they not our same species? Because can't be a cannibal if you're eating another species. You're just a carnivore. Then. Right. If you're eating your own, mm-hmm. you're a cannibal. So the cannibal giants in my tribe and the cannibals from other tribes that speak about these hairy bipedal creatures. Well, I can't say some clans are cannibals because I don't have any evidence. I haven't really heard, heard that much, you know, accounts of that. But we do know of these people going missing. And a lot of the reports speak of a big male Sasquatch seen in that area during that time of the person going missing. Here in Campbell River, I can drive through by Walmart and Home Depot, which is Indian Reservation where the box stores are, because thankfully we get tax-free home Walmart and Home Depot. And uh, But anyway, they're on there because of the tax incentives that they save and make a bigger profit. And us Indians work with them. But when you drive between those two box stores on the main island highway, you see poster billboard after billboard after billboard because it's an Indian reserve. They don't have the municipal bylaws that you can't put billboards up. They do, and they charge you $1,000 a year to the tribe. But one of them is a missing boy. And I've heard the reports that he was possibly taken by a Sasquatch at the same time, four and a half, five years ago, when we had reports of a big, aggressive, rogue Sasquatch at the urban edge of Campbell River, our small city, a city that is has the highest concentration of art, wood, and paintings depicting Chonoha and Sasquatch. And here we are, got this kid missing that, you know, I heard, you know, some accounts that possibly, I'm just saying possibly, mm-hmm. he might have been taken by Sasquatch, but not. 15 miles up the highway, we have a rest stop at the edge of the major highway that all of a sudden one day there's cement blocks there and there's no more cement outhouse, no more cement picnic tables, no more cement garbage cans. The whole asphalt paved rest stop is closed. There's some yellow ribbon on the tree. Who cared? But then I we heard that this woman told us in a town further north on the highway that a woman was found there decapitated body pummeled, left arm removed, her clothing wasn't removed, she was not sexually assaulted, and the police told her brother, we're sorry your sister's passed, and we don't think a wolf, a bear, a cougar, or a human got her. We think Bigfoot, Sasquatch killed her. Wow. So this is Vancouver Island. I'm standing in the marina in Campbell River, and I just told you two accounts Mm -hmm. of the possibility of a big rogue that we know was here three four years or four years ago or more and yet we got two missing humans especially getting into that zone where that bear is going to be hunkered down they'll go into the thickest densest most dangerous place to go and that's why we don't find sasquatch home South of here, we have Strathcona Park. Dr. John Bindernagel, my good friend when he was alive, that started his career because he found a track in Strathcona Park. Then he did the follow-up with encounters. And him and I would discuss things not probably eight, ten years ago about, wow, there's over 22 
22 people missing from Strathcona Park in the last 15, 20 years. Oh, my God. And that's right here at the edge of Campbell River. So do we have a rogue Sasquatch in this area of Campbell River? Oh, I definitely think so. Mm. And that's why we have some humans going missing from time to time, trailers being shook, rocks being thrown at people, you know, all kinds of aggressive things from Sasquatch. Wow. That's absolutely terrifying. That's, that's Remember what I said? Everything ends up being a steam and coiler out in the forest. <laughs> that's nature's code. And when you look at, uh, how do you say that guy's name who writes the books and does, did the TV show, Pilates or something? Oh, David Pilates, yeah. Pilates. You know, you look at what he's doing. He's got some great accounts and evidence that, yeah, there's a lot of people going missing in these parks and other places in the United States of America. He hasn't even come to Canada yet. Man, we got stories that go back 300 years up here. Wow. Yeah, I know. I've I've heard a bunch of his accounts, and, and there's a lot of oddities with those, like, dogs that refuse to track. And that, and that, to me, was a big red flag. Like, God, that sounds like, you know, what a dog's behavior is around Sasquatch. Like, they don't want nothing to do with them. Well, do you blame them? No, I've no. I've been around rogue Sasquatches, <laughs> and I don't want to be anywhere near them. You know, today we went in to check our trail cameras, and, you know, I brought my 12-gauge with me. I had a wristband with extra shells. I had extra shells in my pocket. <clears throat> and I'm, pa- I'm back in no birdshot. I'm packing triple odd and mm-hmm. slugs, and, you know, if I have to, you know, I'm going to defend Peggy, my wife, and oh, sure. our buddy Allie Stevens with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like me, like, from the Kwakwakiwak tribe, you know, we have a strict law and upbringing that you never disrespect a Sasquatch, a Jonah, period. Mm-hmm. And you don't even contemplate hunting them or harming them. Right. I would never do that. But in my wallet, I carry what we call a status card. And that's proven that I'm Kwakwakiwak, I'm indigenous. Mm-hmm. And with that card, I have the right to harvest food for food, social, ceremonial purposes out of the water and on land and not be impeded by species or size out of respect for the environment. No, we don't take female crabs. We throw the egg-bearing prawn and shrimp overboard, and when we go hunting, we try to take bucks. And I like spike bucks because they're nice and tender and they're not all rut-tasting. But, you know, it's all about respect. But that card gives me the right to harvest for food, social, ceremonial purposes and mm-hmm. to defend myself. Anything gets within 15 feet of me, I don't care what it is, if it's aggressive. And I'm a retired grizzly bear hunting guide. You know, I don't care what it has on its mind. But if it's on its mind that it wants me to rip me apart and make me a steam and coiler in a bush <laughs> or harm my wife or anyone I'm with, yeah. it becomes food, social, ceremonial right away. And I will pump lead into it like it's never had before in its life. And I will end his life. Yeah. That's just incredible. And you know, also speaking of uh, uh, referring back to David Pilatus' work, sometimes the, the disappearances are so sudden and absolutely out of nowhere, like a group will be walking and somebody's just suddenly not in the group anymore and nobody heard anything, nobody saw anything, they're just gone. And that seems to be something that could be accomplished by uh, a Sasquatch and not much else. No. Hmm. Could. No. Definitely. Because you got to remember, they've forgotten more about hunting than I will ever know and stalking. And I'm a trophy award-winning 
hunting guide for Safari Club International at one time. Mm. I can hunt. You know, if I want to get meat, I'll get meat. Today I went out, and in my mind, it was like, yeah, go retrieve the trail cameras, but, ooh, it's chanterelle season. I want chanterelle mushrooms. And mm-hmm. before I talk to you on your show, I'm sitting there eating a iron pan load of chanterelle mushrooms, broccoli, and I wanted grouse, but I didn't see any, so I ended up having to buy chicken. But I can harvest. I can always fill my belly. And, you know, I've, I would like to know 10% of what a Sasquatch knows. Sure. Now, can you imagine a rogue who's mm-hmm. hell-bunt with fury and hate for humans? You know, they're going to be able to look at a line of 10 humans walking down a trail, and right away what they're going to do is they're going to stalk. And mm-hmm. like a wolf, they're going to find the weakest link in that clan. And that's the one that's all of a sudden, poof, gone, off the trail. Mm-hmm. 24 hours later, steaming coiler somewhere in the forest. <laughs> That's never, I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> that is so funny. I bring but... a whole new aspect to the Bigfoot community. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and enriching my vocabulary at the same time. That's awesome. <laughs> no. I'm going to make a T-shirt design with that. Don't become a steaming coiler. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, what 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 do you suppose is the is the solution then? Because obviously we're not really good at finding these things, and if they're out there, what what kind of recourse do people have for something like that? Pack a gun. Okay. Because you don't want to get near rogues. Yeah. Rogues are like being around, you know. Charles Manson, look what he did back in the late 60s, and he had a group of followers. Mm-hmm. Now, can you imagine Charles Manson if his group of followers are even as, you know, as vicious as him? Or can you imagine in the late 60s being in the bush and coming face-to-face with Charles Manson one-on-one, and you don't have a gun and he does? Yeah. Or you don't have a knife and he does? Mm-hmm. You're, you're gone. And that's what a rogue is. There is no solution. The best solution is be crispy out there in the forest. You know, carry your knife, carry your sprays, carry your gun if you can, you know, and look around. Mm -hmm. Use your nose. And the best thing is, even today when we're driving down to retrieve the cameras at the last part of the logging road, we were 22 miles off the highway, getting down to an abandoned log landing, where my Sasquatch research camp is, where I've had numerous encounters, bring people for investigations, and two of my guests have seen Sasquatch down there. 2006, I got chased out of there by two, possibly three. We didn't see the third one, but we heard it and seen the tree shaking. Mm-hmm. But as we're going down the hill, I looked at Peggy. I said, you ever get that strange feeling you're being watched? Mm-hmm. And then... 30 seconds later, as we're driving on, I'm looking up the hill and, you know, I was thinking of stopping. And then I told her, I said, one thing I've learned out in the bush, never, ever go against your gut feeling, your Mm. sixth sense. If your guts are telling you that you're being watched, well, you're being watched. Mm -hmm. And whatever's watching, you might be a cougar or a wolf. Maybe it's a squirrel or a blue jay. But more than likely, it's something that set off your sixth sense, which means it was probably something big and aggressive and probably could take you out. Mm. Man, 
That is just, you know, you think about the physical uh, ability of these things and, you know, and our uh, comparison, there is none, you know, I mean, like we are uh, outside of having, like you're saying, the means to protect yourself, just physically speaking, we're, we're like toddlers, you know? Well, yeah, it's like most humans that go in the bush, that's, you know, be smarter, go charter an Indian guide. I've been doing that for almost 45 years, you know, mm -hmm. chartering sports, fishing, hunting, mm -hmm. sea kayaking, whale watching, grizzly bear tours, taking National Geographic, you know, photographers out, mono a mono they want, one-on-one -on -one with the forest. And I'm like, well, what are you hiring me for? If you want to be one-on-one -on -one with the environment and get your grizzly bear pictures. Oh, well, they, they might kill me that's what your job is protect me oh. and one of the national geographic photographers he has a great picture he took of me sitting there in full camo with hugging a 12 gauge sleeping away <laughs> <laughs> and there's a big grizz right below us you know but it's you know it's the bush sure things die out there and if they don't die the other species doesn't live that's nature's code and I hear all the time, I see people going in there going, oh, look at the glyphs. Look at the tree structures. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at the sign they left in moss. Look at the rocks piled up. Oh, BS. Sasquatch mm -hmm. is too busy putting protein and other foods into that stomach of his for 6,000 calories a day. That's comparable to a grizzly bear. They don't have time to be making glyphs and stone structures and tree structures other than when the tree structures are for female Sasquatches having female blood times, menstrual cycles, birthing, because then you look at the native Indians in North America, it's taboo for a male to be around a woman with female blood time. So that's what I think those teepee structures and other shelters that have no protection from the wind, mm -hmm. the temperature, because it doesn't retain there's no fire ring in it. You know, those things are signboards for the other Sasquatches to go as they're hunting, harvesting, or being a scout. Oh, geez, female there, blood mm -hmm. cycle. Got to swing around upwind. I can't be downwind on that. I'm not allowed to smell it. I'm not allowed to see it. I'm not allowed to be around it. And that's why when we look at tree structures, there's no retention in most cases from the of heat and warmth and keeping you dry from the environment, the wind, the rain, the sleet. So to me, Sasquatch is what I've learned, like other animals, you know, when do you go out and go, oh, look at the bear den. Yeah, they're denned up for a few months when they're in Tuper. Grizzly bears go in deep hibernation, especially in the colder zones. But how often do you find those dens? Well, you really got to be looking and know where to look. I can find them. Most hunters will never come across them because they go, Oh, let's turn around here. It's getting too rugged. It's too steep. A boulder might come down and crush us. Well, that's where your bear dens are. And that's mm -hmm. where I've gone and pushed the envelope. And it's like Vietnam, me going into holes, looking for a wounded bear that a client shot, thinking that they might have denned up in one of the old dens, licking their wounds because they got a bullet in them. And in a few occasions, you know, I got in there with a flashlight and there's two beady eyes looking at me. You can smell blood. And there's no questions or talking. It says, boom, 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 four shots. Mm. Pull out, go back in with a 12-gauge, ready to send triple odd. And oh, there's a dead bear. And when you roll them over, there's five holes in them. Mm. The four you just put in them and the one from the client. And you want to talk fear. You know, that scary stuff. 
especially yeah. getting into that zone where that bear is going to be hunkered down. They'll go into the thickest, densest, most dangerous place to go. And that's why we don't find Sasquatch homes. Because the odd times I've found them, they've been out in places where you do not want to go and access to get in there was pretty sketchy. And then all of a sudden, there's a shelter, stinks to high heaven, and it's like, go, 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 go. Get out of here. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And once you get out of there, it's like, what's wrong? I'm like, we did not want to be where we were. <laughs> How come? I think that's where Sasquatch sleeps. That's why. <laughs> oh, good reason. We keep going. <laughs> But you look at Sasquatch, they have language, they have culture, they have song, they have a tier structure. They have laws, very strict laws. So they, they, you really believe that they could really be the culprit behind these missing 411 cases? Oh, I know damn well they are. Okay. I've been called on a couple of occasions by the police to go and help investigate with them. And the things I've seen, I can't divulge because I have a confidentiality agreement. But yeah, without a doubt, I know a lot of these missing people are from Sasquatches. And that, I guess that makes sense. Like, you know, like you say, in, in the law of the forest, um, I, I know that any, any predator is going to be probably motivated to get the best reward for the least best bit of the least amount of effort. And uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't stand a chance. Well, like a lot of people, they always bring up the subject of Windigo and my mother's bloodline. I'm 50% of that Cree from Saskatchewan, central plains of Canada. Wittigo is Windigo. Hmm. The way we pronounce it, Wittigo. But when you look into Wittigo, it has a skull of a deer, mule deer, or elk with horns on it. Mm -hmm. Has ugly hide. Has a club. Well, what would a week to go be? They say, oh, they're cannibals, and they're taller than humans, and they're lanky and scrawny. And you look at all the native stories about Wendigo, week to go. You know what I think of it? I think it was a Sasquatch that probably went rogue, and it's the tail end of its life. And it's got tapeworms and flatworms and who knows, abscessed teeth. Mm. And it's starving. It's hungry. Sure. Well, now it's got to prey on another easy food source, protein. Mm -hmm. Well, humans are the easiest one. And if they are rogue humans, then they would know that we have fear. Mm. Well, how? what do they do to get the humans? They capitalize on the fear. Find an old skull with antlers on it, tie it to your head put some old stinky hides on your body's all lanky and scrawny. You're hurting, you're suffering. You know, last week I had a toothache and man, I was at the point Peggy sitting on the back deck of this yacht in Campbell River and she's, Oh, see a dentist, do this. I'm like, they're closed. All I wanted to do is go inside to the engine room, grab the needle nose spice grips and yard blood, bloody thing out of my face. Yeah. And that's what Bushmen do. And so when you look at that with, Bushmen like me that will pull a tooth, stitch themselves up themselves, which I've done before without painkiller. You know, we're, we look, we do life a different way. 
Mm-hmm. So for Sasquatch that goes rogue and all of a sudden worms and age and decaying teeth, well, you got a toothache. Like I was last week, I was, I would swear if I was a year younger, I would have been crying there the other day on the back deck. Mm-hmm. And if I was a little bit more meaner, I probably would have went rogue and ripped my tooth out. Mm-hmm. Pain dictates a different lifestyle. Sure, Your mood change goes into a different way. You rage. So to me, Wittigo, Windigo, is a almost dead Sasquatch that's using every means possible to scare the bejesus out of the humans. And you hear it, oh, I was just frozen in fear, I couldn't move. And you hear the Sasquatch story, I just froze, I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Well, if all of a sudden you've got a rogue, skinny, tall, seven-foot Sasquatch coming at you with uh, mule deer skull with antlers tied to its head and scraggly hide stinking hanging off it. Next thing you know, you freeze in your tracks. What happens to you? You become a Stephen Coiler in the bush. <laughs> that was the intent of that almost dead, suffering, rogue Sasquatch. Hmm. And when you look at the missing people and you hear the stories that go back thousands of years about weeks ago, well, in these modern times, you know, we hear the people going missing. Yeah, a lot of them, it's heart attack, broken bones, stroke, hypothermia, stupidity. But what about that small percentage? And if we look at the numbers on Vancouver Island, 18 people in the last 25 years gone missing. Mm -hmm. And you look at age classification, and you still put in 5% Sasquatch, it still ends up with two and a half humans. Yeah. That's a big percentage. And what about the other ones that are missing out there? You know, in Canada here, we talk about, and I mean, no disrespect to my fellow indigenous people from British Columbia, but we have something called the Highway of Tears, Mm. where we have had mainly female indigenous women go missing. And the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, keep telling us, oh, we are investigating a serial killer. But I've heard the first-hand reports from the family members telling me that we suspect our family member went missing from a Sasquatch. Oh. And then when you look into the Trail of Tears at how many are missing, and you put in 5% probability being missing by a Sasquatch, more than likely a rogue, it's a huge number. Yeah. And, you know, I feel for those families that have no... They have no closure. They have no body. Yeah. And, you know, some of the things I've seen, I mean, one incident that I partook, partook on, thankfully the family had closure. Oh. How did that person die? Well, the evidence at hand, the confidentiality agreement, I can't share that sure. publicly. But I know what happened. And when people ask me, do you think Sasquatches kill humans? Absolutely. Look at our native legends and stories. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I, I've, I've, from many different First Nations tribes, there are stories of of them coming and taking people away. And, and most commonly, isn't it uh, females that are most often abducted like that? Well, what does a wolf do with the pack? They take out the easiest one. Sure. So when the woman traditionally were out there harvesting berries and plant matter and cedar bark, and shellfish, mm-hmm. because the men were out hunting. Well, the men are out hunting, they have weapons. 
They have mass. They have fire. They have, you know, bows and arrows, spears, clubs, and everything. Well, the poor females, they're out there basically with a knife on their side and a digging stick. Mm. And, you know, what do women usually have with them? And traditionally, before modern times, and they're out harvesting, they had a baby with them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's Indian stories talk about taking the children. Why? Easiest one to take. Look at a wolf pack. They're going to take the young, the fawns, yep. and the cubs. Then you reflect to what I'm going to tell you now. My cousin, who's Cree from Saskatchewan, Mistawasis Indian Reserve, all of a sudden, I'm out there a few years back visiting family, and all of a sudden, she's just like, oh, I remember one time I went out with my baby. She was in a pouch on my chest, but she was colicky, and she was crying and yowling away, and I'm out there trying to pick blueberries, and my baby's crying, and I seen this look like a bed made of moss, so I put my baby down, and I started picking the blueberries around her, hearing her yowling and screaming, and all of a sudden, I turned around, and there was this big, hairy Sasquatch with my infant baby in its hands, mm. shoving it in my face, going, ah, 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 three times. Oh, my God. I said, what do you do? I grabbed my baby, and I covered it, and I just started crying. I'm like, thought about it, and I'm like, yeah, I've been at that point. I've almost snapped and gone rogue again when my kids were screaming like that because of teasing or... Oh. or whatever, or temper tantrum. You know, I just both snapped then and went, I can't take that no more. I'm going back to the bush. You know, and <laughs> yeah. that's what that Sasquatch did. Oh. It was just like, take your damn screaming baby and let me sleep. Because <laughs> we know they're nocturnal. If she found a nest, she probably spooked it. What did it do? It went over to the hillside, curled up again, went back to sleep. But this yowling, screaming baby comes and looks, and there's a baby in its bed now. Mm. screaming its eyes off. And what does the Sasquatch do? Grab it and shoves it in my cousin's face. <laughs> you know, so Sasquatch, they're not always going to eat our kids sure. or us, you know? Yeah. So the rogues though, that's like I said, they're the displaced ones. They gone rogue. Sure. And that's what Sasquatches do. Okay. That really may, you know, I mean, really, honestly, it, it makes sense. Um, uh, again, we, we often, try to anthropomorphize everything and make it human but the you know the the world the world of nature is not human it's it's its own set of rules you're they right are human. that's what i'm getting at hmm? they are human i oh. didn't i didn't understand that big three-foot word you use atomorphic or whatever well, well you know like we like God to watch his argument okay they're the humans of the night they're the feral human okay there's just a small percentage of them that went tom seawood for a time just went total rogue, you know. Yeah. I can't say what, you know, to my fellow human. I've never killed any or anything like that. But you sure, know, sure. there's some people out there right now with limps or with scars that wish they didn't make push me to my rogue button. You know, <laughs> I'm a commercial fisherman, hunting guide, bushman, Indian. You know, rough and rugged around my edges, and sometimes we we don't need courts or police. We settle in our own own accord up at the dumpsters at the top of the dock. <laughs> I hear you, brother. So you 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 do think that they have the same the same emotional range as we do? They have the you know, probably the same intelligence or similar anyway. They have better intelligence than us. Mm. There was a human. Their ancestors said, "Look around, look in the nine degree corners in our longhouse, big house. 
Look at the teepee we have. Look at the Thule hut we have. Look at the pit house we have. Look at the weapons we have. Look at the obsidian points and the jade points that we have trails that go into the interior of the continent so we can get high-grade stone for weapons and tools. Look at the intricate mortars and pestles. Look at the carved uh, cultural things we have, like Thunderbird and you name it. Look at your museums and look at the intricate stuff that was made at contact and before. Well, gods must be crazy. 1980s comedy from mm-hmm. South Africa. Watch it. How one empty Coca-Cola bottle thrown from an airplane into the South African scrublands enters a Bushman's family clan unit and totally turns it upside down. Mm. That's material. And here we are in the world right now where, well, Tom's got to wear camo from Cabela's because I look cool. I got to have a jacket that says Sasquatch Island because I look even cooler. I got a, oh, I can go to Walmart and buy a $13 pair of running shoes. But then I look like, uh, oh, mommy and daddy don't have money, nor does Tom, because look at those Walmart shoes he's wearing. No, I better go to the shoe store and buy a $100 pair. Mm-hmm. We're materialistic, and that's so tarnished us as a species. Sure. But you look at Sasquatch, as Lucas White from the Omaha Indian tribe taught me and teaches me every time I connect with them with the modern-day smoke signal, Facebook Messenger, <laughs> they have laws, very strict laws, and they'll tell me a big spew of information, and you'll end it by going, they have laws, Tom, very strict laws, but he has taught me. They have language, they have culture, they have songs, they have a tier structure, they have very strict laws, and I'll tell you more in time. Hmm. So, yeah. We can't look at, like, as humans, we just finished an election. I was campaigning for the Liberal Party, not mm-hmm. like the American liberals and left wing, it's center ground. Mm-hmm. But the hard right wingers on the other parties, the Progressive Conservatives, the uh, People's Party of Canada, and then on the left part of the spectrum, the New Democrat Party and the Green Party. Well, God forbid, we were acting like a bunch of knuckle-dragon, hairy apes clubbing one another with the keyboard. Mm. And, you know, people lashing out at the woman that we were helping the campaign verbally, where she cried and that woman cried yesterday because they were just having a fit of rage. They went rogue on each other, basically. Mm. And here we are as humans. We will judge people on a political party. We will not socialize with someone on a different political party at some times. Mm-hmm. But God forbid, you look at the Sasquatch Bigfoot community. You know, Stephen Major phoned me last night or two nights ago and said, oh, I got a round table coming. Cliff Berrickman, um, Eckhart, uh, and uh, I'm looking to get a hold of uh, Perez. Right away it tweaked on me. Perez, you know, Bigfoot uh, newspaper. Hmm. He's like me. He's got dark skin. He's indigenous. And I thought, kudos. Stephen, I'm really honored that you would invite me to this roundtable with the likes of Eckhart and especially Cliff Barrett mm-hmm. and fly me out to Spokane, Washington to do this in October. I'm really honored, Stephen. Maybe you should reach out to Les Stroud. Oh, I was thinking about that. But I'm also going to reach out to that lady from Expedition Bigfoot. 
Well, there's a round table with two darkies, me and Perez. But you look at all the advertisements we see in the Bigfoot community. Mm-hmm. How many times do we see darkies invited to Bigfoot conferences? And that's what we have to correct as human beings. And we have to start in the bridge. We are the missing link. We're the bridge between the true, pure humans. Sasquatch is which way I look at it. And us modern day materialistic knuckle dragon apes that toss poo from time to time because someone's a different color or a different political party. Mm-hmm. So we need to look at the Sasquatches, how they seem to be more in peace and harmony than we are. And that's the way I look at it. And, you know, a lot of people listening are going to go, wow, that's like way out there. Well, it's not left field, it's the right field. And that's how we have to be as a species. Mm-hmm. We got to quit poo at one another and cooperating with one another, no matter what political party or what color their skin is or where they come from. Sure. And I think that's what Sasquatch has given us. And if we don't, then we all go like their bad ones go. We all go rogue. Hmm. And we don't want rogue. No. No. And and I think you're right. I, I'm 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 really honored to have these opportunities to talk with you because it, the the First Nations perspective is is I mean, you you your culture and your people have thousands of years of history with, you know, with the, the environments around here, with the, all of the, the nature and fauna and the stories and the, the knowledge that has been handed down is absolutely priceless. And I know personally, I feel like I, I learned so much every time we talk. So I, I'm just really thrilled that you've been coming on the show with me to share that. Oh, no, it's great. And that's what it's all about. You know, like someone came up to me one time and said, oh, you're the Sasquatch shaman. I'm like, oh, God, don't be <laughs> labeling me like that. <laughs> I'm just an investigator. Yeah. But I am a well-educated engine. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was called Dilton Doyle as a kid because like the Archie comic books, I had big glasses and I had a head in a book. Mm-hmm. I used to get beat up on the Indian Reserve because I was Tommy 10,000 questions. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm trying to be Indian, but I'm also living in Vancouver, so I'm trying to be an assimilated Indian, you know, living in a part of the city that uh, everything was based on the color and culture of where you come from, hmm. and I learned to go rogue. I learned to get tough. It was either get beat up or beat up, and I preferred to be the one that was the victor. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I put myself in the Shawnee Boys Private School. At that time, the most prestigious boys private school in Canada, North America, for that matter. And all of a sudden, I had these rich little Aryan, blonde-haired, blue-eyed boys wanting to beat me up. And mm. Well, sorry, but I've been on Indian Reds for 14 years, and I'm going to teach you a little bit about dancing with the fist. <laughs> and I worked my way up the hierarchy, and uh, pretty soon I was respected. Mm. That's the code of the animal kingdom. Sure. Be tough or be the picked on. Yeah. And, you know, it's no different than when we look at going out Sasquatch investigating. We're playing with their nature's code book, which is far superior than ours. Number one, they respect one another. We don't hear about their wars or them burning each other out or bombing each other. Mm-hmm. They're elusive. We hear their vocalizations, with I, which I think are uh, powwows and potlatches and rendezvous. That's a different podcast altogether. Mm. all the evidence that's out there on that. But they get along with one another. Sure. Where look at us. 
Canada and the U.S. You know, we can't even get along right now in this pandemic. Open your damn border up. Us Canadians want to go to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> if it was up to me, brother, it'd always be open. But, yeah, I know what you yeah. mean. I know what you mean. There's there's all kinds of strangeness going on in this world today. But, you know, it's kind of cool to to think about it, though, as you've been talking. It's like the Great Reset, right? It's it's, But in a good way, not to, <laughs> not in the, the world order thing, but just the... We need to we need to rebalance ourselves. Bingo. Mm. You have well developed frontal lobes. That's <laughs> the message the Sasquatch has given us. Mm. You know, we know of the kind that have gone um what happened in the US election, what happened up here in the British in the national election for Canada in the last three weeks. We have seen humans regress to a level of knuckle dragon poo toss and apes. Mm -hmm. But Sasquatch is giving us the message that no, you have to progress back to where it was perfect, where we got along. We had our laws, very strict laws. We adhered to our laws and there was not that chaos, confusion, anger, hate, and war that we humans are in right now. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's the message we have to take from Sasquatch. The message from Rogue, this podcast, mm -hmm. is exactly that. We can equate it to a real simplistic level of saying, the Rogue Sasquatch, well, they turned into us. Mm. That's where. Wow. That's very profound. Excellent, brother. I never used that one before. <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking new ground on the show, that's for sure. No, I, I, I. Oh yeah, I just want to get a copy of this one. <laughs> <laughs> Standing in the galley of a yacht, looking at Peggy, trying to waiting for her to scream that she found us a picture of a Sasquatch from the trail cameras, <laughs> and talking to you, and it's been great. Well, thank you, brother. I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on again, and I hope you'll come on again, again, and again. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's talk a little. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thanks so much. It's been an honor and uh, an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, you you make every show uh, just as incredible. Thanks. Okay. Well, don't forget the listeners out there, Sasquatch Island, Peggy and I, that's what we lead. Mm -hmm. Sasquatchisland.com. You can get our email on there and a few things about what we do. We are going to put it under construction this winter, I promise you. But Facebook, Sasquatch Island, YouTube channel, Sasquatch Island, you get to see some pretty cool stuff because I'm a commercial fisherman and I bring you out to places in British Columbia mm -hmm. that even less crowds will never get to and talk about the Sasquatches. <laughs> Just digging you last year, good friend. But anyway, Sasquatch Island and, uh, we are doing Seasons of the Sasquatch, which is on Facebook as well as YouTube channel as well. That's with our good friend, Ali Steven. Mm. He's uh, was a client, became a good friend. We love the guy to pieces. He's a blast. He's Scottish descent. Hilarious. We're out with him on the car today going to get trail cameras. And we got to hear him go, oof, oof, oh, oh, <laughs> on the trail as they're coming down after getting our cameras. <laughs> yeah. He's a concreter, but we're bushing them up. But you guys all have fun out there and be like the Sasquatch. Get along. And uh, Sasquatch Island, Tom Stewart, thank you very much for listening. And in my language, from Peggy and I, Alaculus. Go in peace.
All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows, Journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, out, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day. And remember to laugh as much as you can. 